Everybody doing good today? Sitting here thinking, um, you know, we're fishing up the parables and everything, but um, I can, my wife, it probably gets on her nerves, but like I don't always like to do the same thing over and over. Anybody else like that? Like whenever you, you ever go to a new, new city or a new place, and to me there's a lot of excitement in that, to see something new. I'm just, the, I guess, the anticipation of it. And, um, and so even doing a second service, you know, I have to stir myself up even more because sometimes it can get, if you've been studying something for a while, it can get routine. And, you know, I think there's a key, key to life is not getting so routine. But so I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning today. (laughs) Just like Mr. Rick builds boats. And we was talking about this the other day. Rick knows what that boat's going to look like four years before it even starts, probably. Something like before his crew even starts, he's already got the image of what this boat looks like. And after four years, Rick will tell you the truth, he's probably bored with it. And so when it comes to the end and he has to do the punch list type of things... He's just like, deep down, he's just like, golly, can we get this over with? I've already moved on to the next boat. And how many of you ever built a house before and you get to the end after four or five months and then you got to do the punch list and everything? And it's just like, holy moly, will this ever end? Let's Let's just move in. Let's just get this boat out of the shop and let's just go. Well, I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning this morning. And so, because I like to... When I talk, I can't handle a lot of information, a lot of points. So I'm just like, give me one thing. One thing. And so when, when I'm talking to the Lord and everything, he usually just gives me just one thing. It might have 15 different rabbit trails to go, but it's really just one thing. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about the mindset of sonship. The mindset of sonship. You know, to go somewhere different or to go in life, you have to think different. But it's so easy to get stuck in our ways. Whenever I moved out here, you know, people ask me all the time, are you from here? And I, I'm like, do you hear the way that I talk? No, I'm not from here. Um, so I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. And I married Hannah. I moved out here. And I'll go ahead and straight up tell you. There's a lot different mindset out here than there is in the mountains. And, uh, you know, move to Wanchies. <laughs> there was, I mean, you can only imagine, I realized coming out here, I said, there's not much land out here. Everything, everybody's on top of everybody. Because I'm in the mountains, you got, we got 70, 80 acres, farmland, there's space, and you move out here, and I can actually see a neighbor. I grew up not being able to see a neighbor. You know, it was, there was space. You could, um, you could breathe. You could, uh, you could actually pee outside and nobody would see you. You know, you could actually, there was a lot more freedom, so to speak. And then moving to Wanchies, you know, I, I stepped into a whole different mindset, which was different. You know, I'd never been around commercial fishing before. I never, you know, the, the fish we got came from Mayflower Seafood. 
And, this, and I, everybody just got popcorn, shrimp, french fries, and potato. And that's that thing they, they get frozen out of a bag, and I don't even know what it's made of. I don't even think it's shrimp or anything, but, you know. But then you come out here, and it's all local seafood and real food. And it's like, oh, well, this tastes a lot different. Well, this is actually real. You know, this is good. Then you go back to the mountains, and you don't dare go back to no seafood restaurant in the mountains. Because, guess what? You ain't going to get no fresh local seafood in the mountains. But it just had a, so moving out here was a different mindset. You know, it's a, it, Wanchis was a fishing community. It's, it, they build boats. We don't, we don't have boats. We got my, I mean, we have a bass boat and a pond or something other. But that is a large body of water out there. And so, uh, so this morning, I want to talk about the mindset of a son because there's two different mindsets that goes on. There's a slave mindset and there's a son mindset. There's a slave mindset and there's a son. There's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. And what we're going to be reading today, the parable... Uh, the context is Jesus was talking to people under an old covenant mindset. And an old covenant mindset, you had to work your way to God. The ability was placed on you because they were under the law. If you read the Ten Commandments, there's not only ten, there's actually 640 some, but there was a lot to keep before you could get to God. And they had the tabernacle. They had the holies. And then they had the holy of holies. And they had to do it every single year. They had to atone for the sins year after year. Once that year's up, guess what? You got to go right back. And you actually had to put a rope on your foot in case you was unclean. You know, they, they dropped dead and they had to pull them out because nobody could go and approach God. New Covenant, Jesus is introducing something totally, totally different. So I'm going to refer to Je Jesus was a mountain boy coming to the coast. <laughs> and so in this parable, um, it's in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read it out of the message up here if you just want to listen. You know, he, so with that in mind, it's... Uh, First, I want to read the first three verses to show you who he's talking to. Because, I mean, you know, when you're in this work, you've got to know who he's talking to, the context in which he talks, because he says things, he only says what he hears his father say, but he says things on purpose. He's very calculated. And in verse 1 it says, By this time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased. Not at all pleased. So here's the people with the law that were looked up as religious scholars, the ones that kept everything, and, but they were not pleased. Here's the Son of God. It's God in the flesh right before them. And uh, so here God was right before them. They still didn't recognize him. So the Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered 
this story. All right. So now you see what he's getting ready to talk about, this parable he's getting ready to tell. What triggered him to even say this? So their grumbling triggered this stories. And then he goes in. First he talks about a lost sheep. There's three things he talks about. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. That's in chapter 15. That's the three things. So something's lost here. Uh, the lost sheep, that's the one where the nine, you know, he's got 100 sheep. One gets lost. He leaves the 99 and goes to the wilderness to find the one. And there's rejoicing all over because he's found this one sheep. And he actually puts the sheep on his shoulder and brings it back. Then there's a woman with a lost coin who uh, she loses the coin and everything. And she, it says she searches high and low here and there. She finds the coin. She calls all of her friends. She has found this lost coin and they celebrate. And so this is sort of the cycle going on. Then he goes into what uh, different translations call it different things. But this and here says the story of the lost son. And so I'm going to pick up reading right here at the story of the lost son, verse 11. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. Say them. Them. So many times we think just the one son, but he actually gave it to them. Both sons. It wasn't long before the younger son uh, packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. But no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. Say senses. We're going to talk about a little bit of senses today. Because sometimes it don't make sense. The kingdom of God it operates a lot different than the kingdom of the world. We live in an information society where we want everything to make sense. We want it all to calculate and we want to have control of it. But the kingdom of God operates best when it does not make sense. Here's Jesus coming and to talk to some people that it did not make sense. A different mindset sometimes does not make sense. That brought him to his senses. He said, all the, those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding. He ran out. Embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. Say, wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dressing. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then got a grain-fed heifer and roasted it. We're going to feast we're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. 
All this time, the older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Calling over one of the house boys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecue beef, because he, uh, he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him. So ain't that interesting that the father approached both sons? Not only did he go out to the first son, he actually came out to the second son. But he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you. I've never given you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up and, go, and you go all out with a feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. Understanding is a powerful thing. You know, I can catch a fish for you, but if you teach somebody how to fish, it's a whole different concept. You've been with me all this time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we have to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. So let's get back to Jesus is talking to people with a certain mindset, and he's challenging an old mindset that does not make sense. Um, Jesus came in grace and truth, and he's trying to introduce this concept, and we'll, we'll talk about it this mindset of sonship. Because they were used to being slaves to God. Do this for God. It was like a slave and a boss relationship versus a father and son relationship. You know, Jesus is the first to introduce the concept that God could be a father. If you read all the Old Covenant, God is L this and L that and uh, other things. But they never mentions the word Father. And to even think that God, this holy, unapproachable one, could be so intimate, so personal, and so approachable is a whole different mindset. This is a new covenant mindset he's getting ready to introduce. And uh, so to show a different mindset, we take boys on hunting and fishing trips, and we take them from here, uh, the flat land, and we go to the mountains to the hill land. Totally different way of thinking. Totally different way of everything. Uh, and so we take a lot of uh, boys who've been saltwater fishing, and we take them freshwater fishing. You can't take the concept of fishing saltwater to fishing freshwater. You know, the, it's totally different. And the same way with hunting, you know, because I always loved how Jesus fished with grace. And I know it, it blows your senses at times because these fishermen, you know the story, fished all night. Professional fishermen, they knew what they were doing, fished all night and didn't catch anything. And here comes Jesus with a word. And fishes with grace. 
He's full of grace and truth and releases grace into a situation and the nets are full. That's a different type of fishing. (laughs) Talking instead of casting. Makes you think. Because it doesn't make sense. And so, throw that uh, first picture of that turkey up, Katie. Here's a boy who has turkey hunted a lot. And so, going up there, we, try, we sort of challenge their mindsets because we want them to, we realize, we want them to experience the Father. We want them to encounter God. More than just knowledge and information, we want them to have an experience. Something that'll stick, a memory that something will happen, they'll be like, holy moly. You know, a shock and all. That God is not somewhere out there in the distance. He actually lives in us, walks with us, talks to us. That he speaks to you. And, he, and, and we have the ability to respond to him. And so we, we told this boy, you know, we want you, you to choose, be led by the Spirit of God. We want you to listen to your heart instead of your head and where to go sit on this 80 acres of property. And so we did not get up first thing in the morning. Turkey hunting, you're typically supposed to get up first thing in the morning you know, shot call them, and then you go to that area and wait for them to fly down out of the roost and this and that. Well, we slept in. And then we did devotionals. And you ought to seen the look on the boys' faces because we were sitting there in the cabin. The lights came up and everything, and they're just like, like, Mr. Josh, will you please hurry up? We should have already been out there. We should have been in the spots. There's going like, boys, we hunt with grace. It's a different way of hunting. It's a different mindset. And so, finally, about 1030, uh, they go find a spot. Within two minutes, two, that's my type of hunt. Two minutes. I don't know if you ever deer hunted before and sat out there for hours and hours. I do not like it. It it gets very boring. And so, uh, within two minutes, Well, here comes this boy loading this turkey. One of the biggest turkeys he's ever caught. And I said, man, that's pretty fast. Two minutes. You got to sleep in. You got fully rested. We got to learn about the Lord. And you sit out there for, you, you got your harvest. Take me to your spot. And so he takes me. I kid you not, this spot was about 10 foot big around where he sat against the old white pine tree. This turkey came off the hill, jumped the creek. There was hunters on the next property over. So it bypassed the hunters over, jumped over the creek, and landed right in that 10 foot spot in front of him. And he shoots him within two minutes. And uh, I was, and so he took us to it. And you know where it was? Our prayer spot. Before, we had put the boys out and said, we're going to put some benches out where people could go sit and relax and be still and know he's God. They can relieve the... And so, and that was one of those spots. So instead of us chasing after, grace always comes too. And so, it doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. You try to put that in the email and tell the parents and support... It just doesn't make sense sometimes. 
You just got to be there. And the other one, so that's pretty cool. And you know how God goes from glory to glory and from faith to faith? Check out this next one. You thought that was cool. You ought to have seen this story. This was just a couple weeks ago. And so we're at the cabin once again, and we hear him gobble. Mr. Jeff takes two this way. I take two this way. This is Will. Will's been turkey hunting so much, but we tell him the other story, and we're getting his heart opened up. And, um, um, and once again, so uh, he's got the mindset, got to be out there early, got to do this, got to do that, got to got, got this camouflage on, got our hat on, got totally concealed and all this. But we go to hunt, and guess what? No turkeys are calling or talking back. I said, well, uh, let's go on back to the cabin. So we walk up this hill. And, you know, not everything up there is flat. So you ought to see Will by the time he got to that hill, up that hill. I mean, he's, he's beat red in the face, huffing and puffing. He said, oh, gosh, I'm glad we didn't get a turkey. If I had to tote this thing up. This is a little boy. I mean, just hilarious. If I had to tote that thing up this hill. Oh, oh. And, uh, and we look to the right. And there's a little, we call, Caleb calls it the secret path. It's, it's a road through the pine trees that we drive in on. And there's something laying right in the middle of the road that we just came in on. And I said, well, well, let's go over and look at that. And daggone if it wasn't a turkey laid right in the middle of the road. Dead. No blood. It was still loose and everything, so it just had happened. I said, well, if that ain't the grace of God, I don't know what is. We didn't even have to waste a shell. You didn't have to tote it up this hill. Quail came down, turkey came down out of heaven and landed right here. It don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And so uh, just there is a gun in that picture. So we, we played a trick on Mr. Jeff. Y'all know Jeff. You know, Jesus Jeff is what we call him. Guy with a man bun that sits right here. And so I said, Will, go ahead and fire that gun up. And so he cocked it up, pew, shot it. Here comes Jeff and all those running. You know, did you get one? Did you get one? And here's Will just like. And then we proceed to tell him the story. How, and, oh, of course, he loved it. Loved it. But anyways, grace doesn't always make sense. There's a different mindset to things. And so the old mindset thought different than this new mindset. There is a relationship that Jesus is introducing called a father and son to people who always seen God as slave and boss. So um, I want to jump forward to Galatians before we dig back into this parable. Because how many of you know, so Jesus is talking to people underneath the law. Uh, he gives a revelation to Paul about this grace. So how many of you know hindsight is twenty twenty. So let's jump over to what Paul was saying before we go back to see what Jesus is really saying in the context of this situation. Because he revealed something to Paul that they never Got to see. How many you know? Jesus said, There's things I want to tell you right now, but you can't handle it right now. There's revelations to come that, that, that you're not ready for right now. But he revealed some stuff to Paul that was just like, Holy moly. And uh, so let's, and this is out of the mirror translation. And uh, this is Galatians 4 1 to 7. It says, Infant heirs have no more say than a slave, even though they own everything. 
You own everything. Infant heirs have no more say than a slave, even though they own everything. He would remain under domestic supervision and house rules until the date fixed by his father for his official graduation to the status of sonship. This is exactly how it was with us. We were kidnapped, as it were, under the infancy and confined to that state through the law. But then the day dawned, the most complete culmination of time. The son arrived, commissioned by the father. His legal passport to the planet was his mother's womb. In a human body exactly like ours, he lived his life subject to the same scrutiny of the law. His mandate was to rescue the human race from the regime of the law of performance and announce the revelation of their true sonship in God. To seal our sonship, God has commissioned the spirit of sonship to resonate the Abba echo in our hearts. And now, from our innermost being, we recognize him as our true and very dear Father, can you see how foolish it would be for a son to continue to live his life with a slave mentality? Your sonship qualifies you to immediately participate in all the wealth of God's inheritance, which is yours because of Christ. Your pressure has been relieved. You know why people don't perform that well? Is because there's a lot of pressure. We don't perform well under pressure. God never designed us to live under pressure. But the pace of this world wants to add more pressure. I don't know why I'm going this direction, but you might have a job. And you got to meet this deadline and meet that deadline and pay this bill and pay that bill. And you know what Jesus really said? Say it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but he told him in Matthew 6, won't you go look at the birds? But Jesus, go look at the birds. You know what all I got to do? Yes, your problem. You're a human being, not a human doer. Do I wake up each morning and say, all right, Caleb, what you going to do for daddy today? No. Lord, no. You think I'm the worst dad ever. What are you going to do for me today? But why do we have that mindset towards God sometimes? What can I do for you today? And he's like, you know, God really doesn't need you to do anything. I know this is going to strike your Strike religion right to the core. But God really does not need you to do anything. Because this new covenant mindset is totally different from the legalistic mindset of do good, get good, do good. Grace doesn't make sense. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. You can't earn this. It don't make sense. It's too good to be true. It reaches the core of desire instead of the obligation of duty. When you get, that's what, that's what Jesus knew what was really going to transform a man was I got to reach the core. I got to reach the core desire that you want to, not have to. 
There's a big difference. And wanting to, every boy I take on this trip never wants to come home. And you know what it boils down to? They get out of school. (laughs) That's what it boils down to. I'm like, how come you will get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, happy, ready to go hunting? Or fishing or whitewater rafting or whatever. I mean, these boys get up happy. I don't have to tell them a second time to get up. I say, boys, get ready to go. Here they come, here they come, ready to go. That going, I bet your moms wish y'all knew she could do that, huh? But you tell them, get up, it's time for school. Yeah, see, we see all the faces right here. There's a difference when you have to do something and you get to do something. It's all how you view him. If you have to serve God, you're going to concentrate more on where you're missing it instead of where he's already made it, which changes everything. And I'm way off notes. I don't know where I am. So... um, (laughs) So, if you look at each one of these little, there's two sons and a father in this parable. And each one of them gives, a, I think, a clue to a different mindset of, of what it means to have the mindset of sonship. And so, the first one, in verse 17 to 20 is deserving and earning must go. I know. That's tough. I mean, if you really stop and think about this, it's, it's everywhere. And it, doesn't make, it does not make sense because we've, we train our kids a lot. That they got to do something to get something. I mean, point in case, we, uh, Caleb's in kindergarten, and, uh, and I pick him up from school and, and, um, at, at times and everything, and he'll jump in the truck and say, Dad, I got a pink slip. Well, pink means good. Pink means that you behave today, and you got to move your clip up to pink. And, uh, he had good behavior, but, but there's, there's the other one. You start in the middle, you go up to pink, then you go down to red, or something like that. And um, so he gets pink, and he said, let's go to 7-Eleven today, Slurpee time. And I was like, all right, let's, let's go. So we're rewarding good behavior with a Slurpee. Well, a couple days after that, he gets in, no pink slip. And I said, you know, I'm thinking, I'm always thinking, I want to be a good dad and allow him to have the right mindset. And so he gets in, no pink slip, jumps in, I said, Slurpee time! And you see, look, I said, you ready to get a Slurpee today, right? I mean, just messing with his head. And he said, and I said, yeah. I said, why, Caleb? He said, 
just because you love me. I said, that's it. Just because I love you. Just because. And that's the way God sees each and every one of us. Our Father sees us and has allowed it. We didn't earn it. You can't earn it. It's just because he loves you. Because I want to read verses 17 to 20. Because that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down at three square meals a day and I'm starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. So he thinks he's earning his relationship where you cannot earn sonship. That's blood bought. Caleb has the only opportunity more than anyone in this world. He's the only boy that can call me dad. You might know me as Josh, or you might know me as Hannah's husband, or whatever it means. But he is the only boy, and there's a difference. He comes in that coffee shop, and my gosh, he don't even ask. He just goes and gets because he knows who he is. He's the one that can go behind the counter. He doesn't come up to the counter to pay for anything. Because daddy has it. Daddy owns it. There's no deserving. And so this son has this story for his dad, which goes to the next point. You know, you got to see the you got to see the prodigal father instead of the judging God. Prodigal, lavish living. He, he's a dad that is lavish with his love. It doesn't make sense. And so he had this story made up in his head. I'm going to tell him, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against this. And then you know what he said? He didn't even let him finish his story because daddy was running out after him, hugging him and kissing him. said, put the robe on him. What is that? That's the robe of righteousness. That's the robe of your identity is wrapped up in me. I'll put the family ring on you. You've got access to everything. I'm going to put the feet, the shoes on you. You know what that represents? You know in the old covenant they had to take their shoes off. Oh my gosh, somebody. But on this side of the covenant, he says, put the shoes on. He's going to put peace on your feet. This isn't just holy ground. It's covenant ground. Your son, peace now. They didn't have peace back then. They had to keep going back and back and back. But now he said, put the, put the shoes on. The father relieved him of his sin. He, we're not just old sinners saved by grace. I can't stand that mindset. If you don't come talk about it, come on. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And every single young person, old person, we need to know that we're in perfect standing with our Father. Because it's not based on us. It's based on what Jesus did. And that you can walk upright. You can walk with confidence. God wants you to have confidence. Because the only thing that, that you don't have, when you don't have confidence, you have condemnation. And condemnation keeps the veil up. Guilt keeps the veil up. And so we're always trying to get rid of this guilt, this feeling of guilt and calmness. And it's the mindset of saying, whoa, 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care how I feel. The spirit of guilt, you must go. Shame, you must go. I do not feel ashamed. And I'm telling you, sometimes you've got to on purpose recognize these things that this feeling, this weightiness of what makes me want to go hide. Shame wanted to go hide in the garden. And what was the big fall? Eve had everything. Just like this last son. Eve had everything. But she thought she lacked something. When she had it all along. And so this last son, that's the last point, Everything is already yours. You already got it. You already got it. The, the son was so busy. Uh, he had his eyes on the other son. Why don't you do this for me? I've been working here. I've been serving you. I've been doing this. I, who's the focus? Him. It revolved around his ability to do for his dad. And the dad said, here's what he said. You don't understand. What I've had, what I have, has been yours all along. And you've lived in my house under the mentality of a slave all these years. Ain't that something? You can be in the house of God, in the fellowship with God, but live with the mentality of a slave and not even realize it. Different mindset, different perspective. The son, the God, God wants us to have authority. We're his, his generation, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're not a victim. That's, what, that's one of the notes I didn't share at first service, but the, first, the last son thought he was a victim. A victim mentality has to go. Anywhere you can point in your life that you feel victimized or entitled is you're operating under the mentality of a slave. And then you blame everyone else, but it's really how you see yourself. When you realize you're not a victim, that you're a victor, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't have to allow these things to operate in your body. You don't have to allow sickness in your body. You got the mind of Christ, the favor of God on your life. I mean, I see a lot of young people stressed about where am I going to school? Where am I going? I know we see a lot in here. What am I going to do with my life next? in transition? The best thing for you to do is what Jesus did. Jesus was asleep on the boat in the middle of transition. I ain't saying sleep all day, but just be still. Sometimes you just got to be still. But we want to look here and look here and compare here and compare there. And is this for me? Is this for me? Is this for me? Then we're confused. If we could just be still and listen to that still, small voice. The favor of God will do more in your life than all your striving ever will do. But you got to let go. That's the thing. The whole gospel to me is that how fast can you get to the end of yourself? How fast can you get to the end of yourself? That's this new covenant. Because it's not about us. 
It's about what He has already done on our behalf. But we simply have to rest. We've got to rest. You know, I think I've shared this before, but if you ever looked up Noah, Noah Noah's name, what it means. Because that's the first time where uh, grace was ever mentioned. And you go back to the law, first mentions this. Anyways, you get a core meaning of what grace really means. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If you look up his name, Noah means rest. So rest found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did Jesus tell us to go look at the birds? They neither spin nor toil, but your Father supplies. Just relax. Relax. And that last thing I was going to share was, you know, I love to take boys fly fishing, trout fishing up there in the mountains. But here's the thing that I've noticed off of the, all these years is which boys catch the most fish. Try to pay attention to that. And it's funny. It's the ones that are relaxed. You never, it's not the bait. It's not what you use because your goal is to keep it to the same pace of the river. But it's how, if you're uptight and you're trying to get here, you're trying to get there, they don't catch any fish. But how fast can you relax? Usually after four days, the last day is when they catch the most fish because finally, They've given up. And they've relaxed. And they see just how simple it really is. This gospel is not complicated. It is very simple. Jesus did it for us. And can we trust him enough to believe it? You know, Caleb used to try to open up a, a bottle, soda bottle, a water bottle or something. I look at him, he's, he's little. He's, I said, need some help? No, I got it. I got it. Got it. Got it. I'm like, I can help you. No, I got it. I'm like, all right, fine. You got it. Go. I know it stinks to wait until someone gets to the end of themselves. It's hard. I'm going to tell you, it's hard. Some of you might have family members. Sons, daughters. I don't know what it is. It's just coming up in my heart right now. But it, it is, as a dad, it's tough to see your child get to the end of the rope. But until they get to the end of the rope, it's not going to change on the inside. You can patch it for a while. But it'll go right back because it's not to the root. And that's what this dad had to do. He gave his son up. But, but he was waiting for him to come home. I'll go ahead and tell you. And finally, Caleb says, All right, Dad, can you do it? That's what I've been waiting for all along. Just for you to get to the end of yourself and realize. I'm for you, buddy. I'm here to open them up for you. All that I have is yours. You're a son. You're a daughter. Yes, we think different. 
we're supposed to think different than the world in which we live. So I'm going to leave you with a question of the day. And then Miss Tiffany will come up here. Because we do a question of the day with the boys. And this one I chewed on for a couple weeks. And, and I like what Hannah said. I listened to her parable. You know, there's a lot of different grounds here. Some of you are going to hold on to this and it's going to produce. And it's not by your producing. Like we're, we're really called to bear fruit. We don't produce fruit, we bear it. Um, but there's different grounds. And so some of you might forget this as soon as you walk out the door. Some of you might chew on it. But I know there's different grounds, but I want to ask you this question. What would you do if you realized you had nothing left to do? What would you do if you realized you have nothing left to do? Go have fun. Enjoy. Let yourself off the hook. You ain't got to be perfect. (laughs) Praise God. Perfectionism is a killer. Miss Pam, let the dishes go. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Let yourself off the hook. Because he's let you off the hook. There's no pressure. Relax. Be still. Know he's God. Enjoy him. Go. I mean, go whitewater rafting. Go fishing. Go go shopping. I don't know. Do whatever you want. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He's not holding anything against you. It's time for us adults to have fun. Amen.